This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the program. It's Wednesday. You've made it halfway through the week already. Congratulations. Good for you. Because, you know, it's December. Not that you'd know it outside since it was 68 degrees. But, Wonderful uh, day. Very yeah. nice day. A little Absolutely. weird seeing people drive around in convertibles. But, you yeah. know, what are you going to do? Uh, it is December. And so, hey, you know, as we get closer yeah, to the, the holidays, shirt yeah, I got a golf shirt on. You'd think little, I was. Little t-shirt here. Yeah, easy peasy. You know, it's a kind of pleasant day Sleeveless here. jacket. It's a little weird to think about the snow or, or ice, but uh, that's where we're going to start because in, in just a little bit uh, in this hour, we're going to talk to Super Bowl 35 winning head coach Brian Billick, who is always a treat to talk to about the NFL and about situations where you've some familiarity with defense first teams with struggling offenses. Suffice uh, to say. Yes. So perhaps uh, true, but uh, one of the brighter offensive minds. Yeah. And game managing quarterbacks, if you will, as well. So I uh, will have a chance to talk to Brian. We'll get Billick. into some Peyton uh, Wilson stuff. With yeah, Brian Billick. absolutely. You know, there'll be a lot to talk about the relationship. And so we'll talk to him in a bit. But we'll start with the Colorado Avalanche, who had their uh, three game quote unquote losing streak. Obviously, in hockey, it's complicated, yeah. but they get back. They get a win. Uh, they get a three to two win over the Ducks last night. A good win. I get it. The Ducks aren't very good. But the Avs uh, are unusually... The Avs weren't the Avs last night. Right, and they were unusually shorthanded last night. Uh, Nathan McKinnon uh, with three points on the night. He was uh, great. Bouncing back, we talked about they needed something for forwards. Curtis McDermott uh, with a goal. How about that? His second straight game in which he has scored. Of course, there were, what, five games between appearances for McDermott. And McDermott's a guy with a great sense of humor. I, I watched him after the TNT game in Minnesota where he scored the game-winning goal, which was actually a nice move from forehand to backhand. Mm-hmm. Uh, flip I it in, uh, Set up by Cagliano, who was, of course, not in the lineup last night uh, with a lower body injury. And so McDermott is playing. They, they asked him about this. He's listed for some odd reason as a defenseman. You know, you look at the box scores, and he's right. listed as a defenseman. He hasn't played defense in about a year. He's When he dresses out, which doesn't happen often, he's a forward. So right. he's playing with Olofsson and Tatar last night, and he scores the first goal of the game. But after the game at TNT, somebody asked him, uh, are, are you going to petition uh, Bednar for, for more work now, now that you've Established that you can put the puck in the yeah. It's been a long time Scorer, since obviously, he had scored. Right? Yeah, and uh, he 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 was he was funny about it. He says, "No, I I, I don't think I'll be having that conversation anytime soon uh, with head coach Jerry Bednar." But he he was there last night in kind of an emergency situation. Nashushkin was sick mm-hmm. and couldn't play. Uh, Makar out, uh, Cogliano out with lower body injuries. Uh, Gerard in rehab. Uh, uh, Lekkinen with a neck injury, of course, out. And uh, even on defense, Bo Byram, was, uh, yeah, late got hurt second period, got a collision, which both players were hurt, including Byram. And by the way, we'll, so, we'll get into that, too. Chest injury one, there. not a body. head injury. Not and, a head, and not two, head, thank goodness. Um, even though Logan O'Connor looked up at the screen and got very frustrated about it, um, a hockey hit. I, I thought it was. I, I there was no was. penalty I called had, on the play, and no, I don't think there should have no, been. No, I, I don't think so. And O'Connor's doing the right thing. He's sticking up for his team. Sure. But, but it's important to note, I think, it wasn't. Dirty. It's it, a, it, it was, was a not, hockey hit. It, it, it was not. Now, O'Connor's up on the first line last night, right. playing with McKinnon and Druin on the first line. Right. Uh, Jared Bednar had to reconfigure the lines more than he has at any point this season. 
and he had Colton centering Olison and uh, Rantanen, and then uh, Johansson back on the third line with Wood and Kiviranta, and Olison on the fourth line, as usual, with Tatar on the left and McDermott on the right, and McDermott set the tone setting first goal. How about this for McDermott, by the way, too, who hadn't played since the 24th, but in that game, he had scored. So even though when he scored the first goal of this game, that means that Curtis McDermott, at the time of scoring that goal, had scored twice in his last three shifts. Right. <laughs> Correct. So, I mean, all right. Uh, getting He's a, a sniper. I guess uh, Nathan McKinnon said of that line, uh, it went good with OC. You know what you're getting. He's an easy yeah. guy to get a read off. Uh, John's the same thing. He's trying to get me to find me an open ice and try to but get a some real tribute zone to, entries. to McKinnon. He's playing with two. I mean, he's played with Duran, uh, you know, off and on through the years, but not recently. Uh, but, but not recently. Yeah. And it, I don't know how often he's played with O'Connor ever. And he he carried him last night. He had the goal he, and two he, assists. He, he carried him. So, I mean, McKinnon was terrific. On all three goals. He pointed out, uh, quote, I thought Miko did a great job, too. Obviously, playing with a young kid in Oscar and helping him a lot tonight as as well. So, Oscar Olsen making his season debut there And Ranton and uh, Colton had big minutes last night, both over 20 minutes. uh, Ranton at 22-24. Olsen, I I thought they used well, uh, 11 minutes, 50 seconds. Obviously, he's not on special teams a lot (laughs) here. uh, But... Uh, I thought the distribution of uh, ice time was good. Uh, obviously, you had to ride uh, uh, the guys on that first line. It's good to see Druan uh, with a couple of assists as well mm-hmm. uh, with uh, 21 minutes, 36 seconds of ice time and a plus one for the night. McKinnon was plus two, of course. O'Connor was plus one with a goal. And uh, excellent performance by the first line. Josh they, Manson they the uh, in up game. into the top pairing with Kale McCarr out. Uh, Jared Bednar said yeah. after the game he believes that McCarr could return as soon as uh, tomorrow night's Great game against Great the news. Jets. And uh, well, it, you know, we'll find we, out with we, Byron, we, but it's not a head learned, injury. And so we, we've learned the hockey code. And the hockey code is, it, you know, somebody just declared out. Okay, that didn't tell you very much. And Bednar saying after the game the other night, well, he's he's not going to play on Sunday, the back end of a back-to-back. But beyond that, I don't know anything. When he was listed yesterday as doubtful, well, of course, he's not going to play last night. Doubtful means you're But he did not, participate but in the morning skate, too. isn't out. Correct. And doubtful is a gradation above out right right so you're thinking he's making progress he's getting closer and maybe he's questionable or better for the next game and that seems to be uh, the way it will uh, play out aren't the abs on basically in every other night schedule for a little bit through the rest of december more or less yeah Uh, i think they might have one back-to-back in there uh, somewhere again but uh, that that was that was the best news of the night that mccarr uh, might be playing and the Byram's injury was not at the and head and Byram yeah. didn't uh sustain a concussion and Nishushkin was simply under the weather which right. is understandable uh, he's been playing major minutes and uh you know flu's going around a little bit uh Cogliano's lower body injury we don't know much more about that and the other injuries uh, or uh, rehab stints uh, that's probably long term uh, more than short-term when you're talking about Gerard and, and Lackanen for mm-hmm. uh, different reasons. But I I thought they scrapped last night. And, and yeah. no, Anaheim is not a great team. 
Anaheim's lost 9 out of 10. The only game they won was against the Avs in Anaheim last week. So uh, I, I, I like the performance. Yes, uh, you don't like giving up with a 3 nothing lead, a shorthanded goal, and then they get a power play goal after that. It, 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 that that's not great. But I thought the goaltending was solid when it had to be early on. And it was a game in which, actually, the Avalanche were outshot by the Ducks last night. And so uh, Gibson, who was better than his counterpart last yeah. week for Anaheim, then last night, Gorgiev had the edge. So the Avs do get it done, as uh, uh, Jonathan Duran said after the, the game. Quote, today was just about getting a win. The yeah. line combinations oh, and D combinations absolutely. were all And Duran played well. I, I, I like Duran. Uh, in that circumstance, up on the top line with McKinnon, and I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I thought moving it around was good. I mean, it was really not only the the guys they promoted, but the guys that Bednar sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, demoted, although that's not really accurate. The idea was you you move Rantanen down because you need to diversify the scoring. Uh, Ryan Johansson was sent to the third line for the first time all year, but again, you need some of that. This is more about spreading the experience around, not well, a that's, demotion. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, and and I think that Bednar did a very very good job of that. And credit to the vets, uh, we you know we I told you what McKinnon said about Rantanen, but credit to the vets who immediately could step in and stabilize those two lines so everything wasn't a mess last night. And you know we got on Tatar or I did yesterday a little bit. I uh, used plus two last night, eleven thirteen. So. Uh, one of his better games, and he yeah. only had the one and shot on goal. But one shot on goal is better than no shots on goal. And, you know, 14 shots on goal in the 25 games they played this year is is not necessarily what they had in mind when they brought him in here. But he was he was good last night. McDermott was a plus one. Uh, Olofsson played well. Um, I love Taves. Talk about minutes. 27 minutes, 11 seconds for Taves last night. Playing with Manson yeah. was excellent. Had an assist, was plus two. Um, Byram, of course, got hurt, so his ice time was limited to the first two periods. Uh, Malinsky, uh, I, I, I like 15 minutes for, for, for over uh, 15 minutes, almost 16. Really, almost 16. Yeah, a couple seconds short. Yeah, 15 56. I thought I don't think Malinsky's looked overmatched, not yet. So that's a good sign, too. And, for a, and a good game, a plus two for Caleb Jones and a plus one for Jack Johnson, who played 21 minutes 55 seconds. The old man, uh, uh, Playing big minutes last night, uh, turning in a uh, his usual solid performance. Uh, uh, you know, I keep reading on on the metrics that Jack Johnson isn't very good, and that may be true if he were with any other team. Here, Ian Bednar has yeah. some kind of mind meld going because Bednar only puts Johnson in positions where he can succeed. Uh, it, it, I I can't recall the last time I said, "Boy, Jack Johnson played better late to one." You yeah. already cost him a game. <laughs> I had a, you know, you're a third tandem defenseman. And last night he plays almost 22 minutes as a third tandem defenseman, largely because Byram couldn't play the third period. So Jack Johnson in the third period had to play a lot. The Avs do get it going, as Sandy pointed out, uh, Thursday on Winnipeg, as they do for a little while, go to an every other game schedule. Hopefully, Kale McCarr will be back for that. We'll turn our attention to the Denver Broncos and the NFL as we're delighted to be joined by Super Bowl winning coach Brian Billick. We'll have him next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chantro Tar. 
presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Always delighted to be joined by our next guest. I've had the opportunity to talk to him uh, quite a few times over the years, most recently over at uh, the Super Bowl prior to the game. This spring, Brian Billick, Super Bowl 35 winner, head coach and uh, analyst, of course, good, joins us here. Uh, coach, thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, I would like to open with this. The idea this year of watching so many quarterback injuries for the second year in a row how does it affect the planning for NFL teams to have to kind of rip up everything on the fly and start again? We've seen teams have disastrous outings because of it. We've seen teams like the Cincinnati Bengals this week uh, get things in shape with Jake Browning and go ahead and look tremendous. Yeah, it's huge. Nothing shakes an organization to its core more than to have to make a change at the quarterback position, either because of play or because of injury. And you're right. We have a lot of teams, particularly in the AFC, now that that uh, and teams that are right in that cusp of making the playoffs, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, yeah, um, uh, Cincinnati, Indianapolis has already been had been there for a while. Right, um, it impacts the game, and 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 coaches do a great job of. The key is can you can you sustain it? Can a Jake Browning, can a Joe Flacco sustain it over the last three, four, five games of the season as we work into you know, the, the dash for the cash, so to speak. Uh, particularly in the AFC, because you have a bunch of teams uh, that have left their divisions. You know, Denver's a perfect example. They're no longer in the AFC West. They are, because Kansas City's going to take that thing. They're now in the AFC wildcard division. That includes Cleveland, Indy, Houston, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. And it's exciting, because that means they're in the heart of it and, and, and can still be very viable and make a run into the playoffs. As long as you brought it up, uh, without being asked directly, uh what do you make of the Broncos starting one and five, winning five straight games? And uh, you've you've been in these kinds of relationships uh, before with quarterbacks you haven't necessarily worked with before, but they're veterans. Um, you had experience in winning a Super Bowl with uh, with somebody like that. Um, what is going on in your, your opinion when you look at Peyton and a scaled down version? of the Russell Wilson we came to know at least during his 10 years in Seattle? Well, I think they're getting used to one another. They're finding out about one another uh, in terms of given the talent they have around Russell, what they can do, what's work, what's manageable in order to win the game. You know, I know there was a disappointing loss to Houston, but keep in mind that's on the road against a very good Houston Texans team. CJ Stroud's been incredible, incredibly impressive. Um, Certainly the interceptions, that, that's, that's going to kill you. I mean, right now, Denver, when they've been able to win, it's been, you know, keep tight margins, be efficient, run the ball, play pretty good defense, make enough plays down the field, but you can't turn the ball over. The three interceptions were a killer, particularly on the road against a good team. So they've, they've got a good formula to go together, and they're still getting used to one another. Now it's gotten better, and at the end of the season, now is when it really it needs to get good. Now it needs to be where, okay, this is what we need to do going forward because we're right in the middle of this thing and we're right in the heart of it. And we've got a stretch coming up here where, you know, we were in Houston. We got to go back on the road to the Chargers and then back yep. on the road and play a very good Detroit team. Right. I think these next two games are going to be pivotal because when you look at after that, they come back, they got New England, they got the, uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, 
Uh, Chargers Raiders, at home, and then yeah, they got the Chargers Raiders. And Raiders. Yep. So these next two games are going to tell us a lot oh, about yeah. just how good Denver Absolutely. really is and how far that relationship has come. They have earned their way back into this discussion, and they've done it, Coach, with an unusual, and I mean historic, in-season turnaround of defense. Of course, you know about the 70 points they allowed to the Miami Dolphins earlier in the year, you know, 10 touchdowns in a single game. And ever since then, they have been one of the better defenses in the entire league. They weren't able to generate the turnovers against Houston that they were in the previous weeks, and that may have been a difference maker in here. But have you seen that kind of turnaround, uh, at least anything similar to it in your career? And what do you think has driven it? Because for the most part, it's the same players, if quite frankly, a little bit younger as they jettisoned some of their older players during that span after the Miami game, like Frank Clark and Randy Gregory. Yeah, teams can get better. You know, you have to realize that, particularly a young team that, again, is getting used to a new coordinator. Um, and and for Denver, again, they, that was a very good Houston Texans team. I think the difference in the game, uh, as well as they played defensively, and they played Houston kind of as well as anybody has over the last little bit, was first in the red zone. Uh, yeah. Offensively, oh, yeah. Uh, Denver was only one of three, and then they were over on third down. Yep. Gonna, yep. You know, defensively, they held the Texans to four or six feet on third down. That's pretty darn good, uh, and that 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 usually is good enough. To, but not when you're when your team is only going zero and eleven. So they just couldn't sustain anything, and that so that's really the challenge. This defense grows as the offense grows, and it works in balance with one another. So, yeah, and, and there's no reason to think that they're not going to continue to get better over the last quarter of the season. Tom Brady, a few weeks back, bemoaned the lack of fundamentals in the NFL game today and uh, uh, spoke of, uh, as you have in a different context, uh, especially in the AFC, all these teams jammed in there at 7-5 and five or 6-6. Six and six. I, I think you've got uh, uh, at least seven teams in the AFC right now, which is a, a seven out of 16 or either seven and five or six and six. Uh, is this mass mediocrity? Is it parody? Is it a uh, 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 diminished fundamental uh, set of uh, events that we're uh, watching? Uh, you talked about the turnovers before uh, the Broncos in the last six games have been both plus three and minus three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and turnovers in big place are still the two biggest determinants for success in the NFL right. because they're, they're proactive. You, you got to get big plays and not give up big plays. You got to get turnovers, but not turn the ball over. Uh, no, I think the league right now is where it has been. You can call it parody or whatever you want. We're a very homogeneous league. There are yeah. outliers on either side. You got the, you got the Cardinals and the, and Carolina Panthers and, and, uh, and New England and yeah. Tennessee on one side. And then you've got the, the San Francisco's and the Baltimore's and, and Miami's on the other side. The rest are all kind of huddled in together, yeah. a game above or below yeah. 500. And that's just the nature of the league because the talent is very equitable throughout the league. And I'm mixed and excited. And like I said, the AFC, this is going to be exciting because you've got six teams in this, what I'm calling this, AFC wildcard division now that are all very viable and it's going to, it's going to move around and every, every single one of them has a chance. What do you think about this year? We've seen such a challenge for offenses. They've been down that the explosive plays for quarterbacks have been down. Obviously there's been sort of a league wide motion. As you mentioned, the, the you know, homogenous nature of this league, it has been to limit those over the top plays. 
as a, an, an offensive mind yourself, is the idea to do maybe what we're seeing with the 49ers, which they have an extraordinary array of talent, but to just continue taking what the defense is giving them? Or is there something about the idea of, you know, keep trying to do what you do? What do you make of, of the trends this year defensively and offensively, the cyclical nature of the NFL? Where do you think it's going? Well, ultimately, you know, the ability, Kansas City is a perfect case in point. The formula for being Kansas City, if you can, with the dynamic talent of Patrick Mahomes is you need to be a little passive on the back end. Don't give up the big plays and make them go the length of the field. If for no other reason, just to slow the game down, yeah. that allows you to keep up. And and that's been workable. Um, you, you look at San Francisco, I think that's a bit of a misnomer because the thing about San Francisco and makes it so dominant, and that win in Philadelphia is oh. as impressive as I've seen in a yeah. long, long time. Because this is a team that's, that, that formerly you're talking about, and that's Kyle Shanahan, play great defense, run the ball, control the ball. Brock Purdy, again, which you anticipate, very efficient. But the difference is very few opportunities. He was 19 of 27 and four <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. They took advantage of when the big play presented itself, they were able to – they had four guys. They had four explosive plays with four different guys. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, you expect that. But they had Juan Jennings. I don't even know who the hell that guy is. He comes <laughs> right, up with a right. big play. You know, and that's what that's what makes them special. Play good defense, run the ball, control the clock. But when it presents itself, because explosive plays, still you got to be explosive in this league. And for Brock Purdy to do what he's doing in a very efficient way, anybody can just throw it up. Um, but you can't. You got to do it without turnovers. What he's been able to do. Um, is is nothing less than spectacular. I mean, he's on pace for a 33 touchdown, nine interception, lead yeah. the league in completion percentage, and lead the league in yards per uh, yards per attempt. And, and coach, that's, he's that's, averaging that's, yeah, he's averaging better than nine and a half yards per pass attempt. Yeah. That's unheard of. That's that's MVP caliber. Coach, do you think at the age of 35, Russell Wilson still has the ability to be an explosive quarterback? Yeah, he does because that's his game. But but again, you gotta you gotta wrap the right things around him. Now that's kind of silly to say because you know you wrap enough talent around anybody, then yeah, they're going to have a certain level of success. But I think if if you can wrap the right talent around him and place that game that allows him on a thirty or thirty five pitch count move around and make those big plays down the field, they'll protect you from typically uh, from making the big mistakes. But those are tight margins. And, and, and you got to be pretty good to do that. And I don't know that Denver's quite there. They're developing that. Uh, but, yeah, I think, think Russell Wilson can still be, particularly when you get to the playoffs and that pedigree can kick in where he can bring back that championship pedigree and really make a difference in the playoffs and rally that team around. I, I'm going to change the direction of the conversation a bit because I've always been curious about this. And uh, you've been on programs that I've hosted or co-hosted before, and I – pretty sure I never asked you about this. You were a young man uh, when you left the Baltimore Ravens. Why haven't you ever gotten back into head coaching? You must have had opportunities. Well, there were a few, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, for me, uh, I enjoyed doing the broadcast thing. Um, I had a pretty good first marriage. Um, <laughs> yeah. as a general manager, right. I, I vowed that if I were going to get back into it, I was going to make sure that I did it under the right circumstances, in the right relationships. Um, and, and, and that's not to say it had to be you know my way or the highway. That's not the way Ozzy and I operated. 
But those opportunities never really presented themselves in terms of what I thought were viable. And, uh, and uh, then you, you know, at some point you move on, the league moves on, and uh, uh, now I spend more time in my golf game than I do watching football. So yep. it's great. Mike Shanahan told me something a, a few years ago when he had been out of coaching just for, I don't know, three years maybe, and he said it's different now than it used to be that when you're out for two years, it's the equivalent of having been out for six before, and if you're out for five or six years or seven years, you're basically done. Even if you're studying the game, as I know you do, and you know Shanahan, he he still studies right. the game, and he's helping Kyle uh, to the extent that he uh, can and uh, so on. But do you agree with that, that, that now if you're out of it for just a few years, the game is changing so much that it, that it's tough to get back in. You you and Bill Cower are very much alike. You you got out and you stayed out. And I he had offers and he turned them down for probably the same reasons you did. Yeah, the game does change very quickly, so you have to do a lot to stay on top of it um, um, to, to to make sure that you can stay current with what's going on and the trends and whatever. And then uh, plus, honestly, the the energy. I'm always asked. Yeah. You know, I do these radio go-rounds, and, and around draft time, people are going, well, do you miss it? Do you want to get back into it? I'm going, oh, absolutely. I'd, rather than doing what I'm doing now, just stepping off the golf course or getting onto my boat, um, I'd much rather sit in a windowless room uh, <laughs> looking at mind-numbing tape, looking at a tackle that's the same guy I looked at last year and it's going to be the same guy I'm looking at next year. Oh, no, I'd much rather be doing that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot that's attended to it, but uh, – I'm enjoying watching from the outside. I think the game is in great shape. I love what these new young coaches are doing, and uh, yeah. it's exciting. And now Sandy and I are staring at each other in a studio right now going, oh, oh, oh yeah, that does sound better. <laughs> yeah, it does sound a little better. <laughs> uh, Coach, thanks thanks for joining us. We're talking with Coach Brian Billick, and I uh, wanted to talk to you about uh, signal relief. Of course, signal relief, one of the main reasons you were here a little bit, and the idea behind it for uh, for help with pain, and obviously a lot of the folks uh, who listen to sports radio played a lot of sports, have a lot of aches and pains. Tell us a little yeah. bit about it. I tell you what, I, I, I love this product. I'm it's newly familiar to it, uh, but it is it's a game changer. It really is. Because what this is, it's a reusable, drug-free, chemical-free patch that's shown to reduce what I call the prohibitive pain, that pain that keeps from doing the next thing. It doesn't have batteries or wires. There's no medication whatsoever. It's reusable. The thing I love about it, you can apply it exactly where you need it to affect and pro- that with that prohibitive pain. For me, 18 holes on the golf course, it's my lower back. You know, that's yeah. what's going to keep me from doing the next thing, from getting in the pool the next day. I swim three days a week. When I come out of the pool, it's, it's my upper back. It's my shoulders. It's my traps. When I get off the court or I get off a bike, it's my hips. It's my quads. It's my hands. It's an amazing product that allows you to isolate where you need it to allow you to do that next thing, that idea that motion is lotion, that's really what it is. You know, there's nothing that cures you, but whatever can get you back into the game to move, to get that your joints moving, to strengthen your muscles, uh, gets you back even quicker, that's where the healing comes from, and that's exactly what Signal Relief does. You go to SignalRelief.com, you can put in promo code, promo code COACH, you get 20% off. This is a product, I promise you, you need to look at because it deals with that prohibitive pain. It puts a block between the pain in your brain that allows you to do the other things that really bring about the relief 
and, and the enhancement that you need. It's an incredible incredible product. People need to check it out. And when you go to thesignalrelief.com and put in that promo code, remember, if you order by the 15th, you can still get things delivered by Christmas as well. Uh, when you're looking at, and I, I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, roundabout thing about pain here before we go. The, the Denver Broncos have had challenges with uh Situations where they have seen Kareem Jackson suspended. They have had a lot. They've been the fifth most fined team in the NFL this year. Uh, you have had a couple different players uh, approach it differently. Obviously, you, you've had a veteran like Kareem Jackson look at it and wanted to go talk to Roger Goodell, and nothing apparently came out of that, and basically said, I, I need, I want him to explain to me how to play anymore. And then you have a couple younger players who get fined and, and just kind of a shake it off. P.J. Locke uh, had that as well. But when you look at the health around the league and you look at the risk of injury we've talked about the quarterback injury risk we're talking about the idea of protecting players from a head injury perspective how do you continue in the nfl to believe that they can continue to make this better when players simply get faster stronger bigger and have data and analytics that lets them know exactly the best a place to be at the right time well, that's exactly the dilemma. You know, all the things that the league has done to keep the players as healthy as they possibly can. And, and I always have been dealing with players that, have, that show that frustration. You never want to hamper someone's competitive passion for the game. But by the same token, they've got to understand that you've got to play this game in a way that keeps it safe, even for your own purposes. Yes, well. yes. It's amazing. What I find is the really good players, the elite players are able to do it. They're Absolutely. able to adapt their game, know that, okay, I can't conduct myself this way. I can't do this. One, because it, it endangers my health. Two, it's not the way the league is going to allow us to play that. It's the players that, that aren't as good that struggle with it because they don't seem to be able to get their hands around that you've got to be able to regulate what you're doing physically. Uh, and that's frustrating for them. I get it. But the really good players get it. The good, really good players adapt to it, uh, and 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 they have to because we've got to keep this game as safe as we can. Yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you involved with a uh, shoulder pad? I am uh, manufacturing and everything else. So you're, yeah. you're you're big on player safety, uh, oh, just absolutely. as a general proposition. Can football be made safer than it is right now? I think that I give credit to the league that puts a great deal of money and emphasis and resources in trying to continue to make it as safe as it can possibly be. Um, but there's always going to be that margin. There's always a little bit more that you could do. Um, yeah, I am one of the owners of Next Tech Pads. I'm very yeah. proud of what we were the number one sure. pad in all of pro football right now. Uh, we're now working down into the youth league. I have two grandsons. And, and people ask me all the time, do you want your grandsons to play? Yeah. And I think the answer is very, very telling in that put, put it to me, to the grandfather, do you want them to play? No, I don't want them to play. But I don't want them to date. I don't want them to drive. <laughs> I don't want them to cross. I mean, I don't want to do anything. I'm, I'm very, you know, but you got to let them follow their passions and you got to do it in a safer way as you can. X-Tech Pads is a perfect example of making the game safer. My, my grandsons are going to be in X-Tech Pads. I promise you that when they play. Coaching, obviously, is a big part of it as well to make sure that they're coaching to do it the right way in a game that is very dangerous and is very physical. But there are a lot of things that you got to let them embrace their passion. It is a great game because there's things that you gain. There's things my grandsons are going to learn on the football field, on the basketball court, wherever, that you just don't learn anyplace else. 
And so I, I want them to experience that, but I want them to be as safe as they possibly can be. He is Coach Brian Billick, of course, Super Bowl winning head coach and analyst over at the NFL Network, as well as a public speaker and uh, a great all-around mind for football, as I've told people before. I think every time I talk to you, Coach, you're going to be a better fan. We can just sit down for five minutes, and uh, you'll end up learning a lot about football that you didn't know. So we really do appreciate the time, and hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Thank you for joining us. Glad to do it, guys. All right, thanks so much. Uh, Coach Brian Billick, and remember, uh, you can go uh, to the signalbelief.com website. Use the promo code COACH prior to uh, December 15th and get that to you before whoever you'd like to give it as a gift to if you're feeling uh, very generous before Christmas. So it, it, there's a lot to, to talk about there when you discuss the idea of, you know, what Russell Wilson has left in the tank. And I think it was telling to hear him speak specifically about the idea that, quite frankly, the Broncos need more pieces. And... That, that is, to an extent, not trying to sprain our shoulders, pat ourselves on the back, what we've been telling people since the spring, that while the Broncos are improved, they're not really 1-53, to 53, the caliber of roster that's going to make a big difference in the, in the NFL, in especially a league that is, as he put it, I think wisely, somewhat homogenous. You mentioned it earlier this week. There is a – normally there's a, in every league, there's a squishy middle, right? There yeah. always is. But this time – this is not like those double stuff Oreo cookies. It's like those those quad stuff Oreo oh, cookies. Yeah, the vast of the amount of the league is the mushy stuff in the middle. Well, it, it, that's exactly <laughs> right. And we, and we 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 look at this. Um, you have in the AFC seven and five: Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indy, Houston, six and six: Denver, Cincinnati, Buffalo. In the NFC. You have, count them, four six and six teams in the following order Minnesota and Green Bay, who would be playoff teams as of now. The Rams six and six, the Seahawks six and six. I just counted 11 teams out of 32 in the NFL, more than a third, who are seven and five or six and six. Yikes. I mean, you have, you have to find now, a way isn't to separate. That amazing. And, and the Broncos are one of those 11. Now, the, the problem with the Broncos is that among the seven teams, either seven and five or six and six in the AFC, only Cincinnati has a worse conference record. Buffalo has the same record, but the Broncos have the tiebreaker on Buffalo because of the head-to-head victory over the Bills. In the NFC, you've got Minnesota at six and six, yes, but six and three in the conference. It, Green Bay's four and three. Rams are four and four. Seattle's five and four. So that the three and five conference record is a problem. And the, of course, the Broncos don't care about the NFC at all. Right. But in the AFC, you, this is why if you assume they won't win all five of the remaining games, and let's pick four to win. Pick the four AFC games, and if you're going to lose, lose in Detroit. Right, and that's a what they have to do. Saturday that's night. what they're going to have to do. Realistically, they're going to lose in Detroit if you're going to lose and lose to Detroit. And 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 sometimes to make the playoffs, it isn't just the record; it's winning the quote unquote right games, and also losing the games that won't 
hurt you as much. And they tend to be non-conference games. The ones that won't hurt you quite as much to lose. The Denver Nuggets have a conference game tonight, and it's one against an opponent that, quite frankly, they do rather well against. The... This isn't one of those no, uh, no, nonsense. No, 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 more, no more tournament, tournament. for the Nuggets. They, uh, they got Jump. knocked out by the Houston Rockets. You may have missed that on the bracket, but that's that's when it happened. But is uh, that when it happened? Yeah, that's when it happened. And that's actually know. why they're playing the Clippers tonight. So we'll take a look yeah. at uh, the best player on earth, the NBA Player of the Month, and you know the other guys on the Clippers. Next on My Life Sports. Are you gonna let them shoot you down when the evil flies and your brother cries? Are you gonna be This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always driven to talk to Brian Billick, of course. Uh, if you missed any part of that, and that was just a couple of moments ago, but you may have just it late, uh, you can always go to MileHighSports.com or the free Mile Sports app where you can stream live, but you can also catch all of this on demand later. We turn our attention to the Denver Nuggets who take on the L.A. Clippers tonight, a team in which they match up well. Home with. away from home, Crypto.com Arena. Basically, yeah, right? It, it does kind they of They just don't lose like games that. there. It Either to the like Lakers it. or to the Clippers. Man, say home away from home to fans in L.A. They're not going to be too terribly fond about that. But the the truth is the truth. And for the, the Nuggets who find themselves uh, now on that road, that'll be a, a game that starts at 8 p.m. Right. Uh, here in Denver, and it'll be on ESPN. So you should be able to uh, to see that. Oh, if This is one of those games you can watch. You can watch if you uh, aren't dealing with the <laughs> hullabaloo with the um, – other providers, but the the, the Nuggets, uh, oddly, as the ESPN analytics have it, expected to win at a percentage of only forty two point eight. Or in other words, they're not expected to win. Does that feel right Why? to you? <laughs> Would be my question. I mean, I assume Murray with the ankle injury is, is still going to be out, and both Murray and Gordon are listed as game time decisions. I, I guess Gordon is if he. Uh, I don't know. I, it, we were talking during the break. Uh, you play 21 games out of 82, so you got 61 left. Right. And roughly at the quarter pole. And what I look at, the and, and really it's about the only thing I look at, it, it, before we get to at least the one-third mark. And then, you know, things settle in, and teams generally don't transform themselves. It's possible. Some do. Sure. Some get hot second, third of the season, third third of the season, the final stretch. But what I look at right now is maybe a little bit counterintuitive. I look for bad losses, and the Nuggets haven't had any. No. One, they haven't lost at home. So at you right. can't have a bad loss at home if you haven't uh, lost no. to anybody. I, that math home. checks out, right? yeah. All right? And the other thing I, I look at is – you know, how the schedule's played out and what the Nuggets have done with it. And they they lost two games in Houston to a team that has fewer uh, road wins than home losses, okay, uh, minus one. Not, not, not bad. Not bad, certainly. Those are the only two games they've lost. 
to minus teams. The Clippers actually are a zero team right now. They've, they've won on the road and lost at home at the same frequency. The Nuggets' losses have come, other than the two in Houston, to New Orleans, road loss. Sacramento, mm-hmm. road loss, second game of a back-to-back. Cleveland, on the road. Orlando, on the road. Orlando's a good team. Uh, by the way, they beat Oklahoma City, which is top five ranked both offensively and defensively with the metrics. And won eight of their last ten, and, right. And the Nuggets routed them in Oklahoma City earlier in the year. And they lost to Minnesota badly. But Minnesota's 15-4. and four. Right. Minnesota's got the best record. That, yeah, the that's game. their worst. That's probably along with the Houston game, but their they're bad but, loss to Minnesota. But, but you lost to the top not, team in the but, league. But, but, but that's not a bad loss. I mean, you lost badly. You lost by a lot. Right. But it's not, wow, how do they lose that yeah, a game? road loss against the team with the best record in the and NBA? The, the worst losses are home losses to bad teams. Right. And the Nuggets haven't had home losses to bad teams, good teams, average teams. They haven't had any home losses. The Nuggets are fine. You look at the standings, you see they're third in the West. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. At this nothing. point? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Means you'd get a you means you'd, you know, find yourself with home court in the and first if round. You, if you ask people really paying attention who the best team in the West is, if not the best team in the league, who 20, 21, well, 22 games, it's been Denver. And that's oh, that's what down. the odds will tell hands you too. The, the Nuggets it's are still Denver. by far the favorite. Uh, not not to win the uh, to win the West and and I guess I look at these games, and the, the Nuggets have beaten the Clippers twice already this year. They've beaten them here in Denver. They've beaten them on the road. Yes. and With uh, an extremely shorthanded. Yeah. Run. I mean, the game at home, they didn't have Jamal Murray. They did have Aaron Gordon. Uh, the, the game on the road, they didn't have Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon. And DeAndre Jordan and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope carried them uh, to looked good, along with Reggie Jackson, who had 35 points. Uh, that's what Michael Porter Jr., you know, ostensibly your best guy left because Nikola Jokic missed that game too. And Porter Jr. shot three for 13, and they still beat the Clippers in L.A. by nine. People keep talking about the Clippers. The Clippers, for what it's worth, are currently ninth in the West out of 15 teams. Playing tournament barely. At, at nine and ten. All right? Uh, my suspicion is that they won't make the playoffs and I don't think they'll even make the play-in tournament by the end of the year because I think uh, Golden State will pick up uh, and uh, basically supplant them. Uh, Houston's behind them now. I think Houston will overtake them. And I, I think, uh, you know, they, 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 first of all, their 18 is playing better than they are right now uh, as it is, uh, including New Orleans, Phoenix, Dallas, Sacramento, and obviously the top four, Lakers, Denver, Oklahoma City, Minnesota in reverse order. Clippers have four Hall of Fame players who don't want to play with one another. You don't one seem or to two mesh particularly well. I think one or two of them have checked out anyway. Uh, since Remember, the Clippers started winning with three of their first four. Since then, they've been six and nine. So it's, there's no part of it in which they've really looked amazing. Okay, yeah, they, they split with Golden State in their last two. Uh, basically, they, they won the home game and lost the road game. Yep. They won the home game by one point, lost the road game by six. Okay, uh, that's good. But you're also talking about a team in Golden State that doesn't have the same size that 
the, the Nuggets have. And so it, it's just, it's an odd mix for the Clippers. Adding James Harden to it has been uh, difficult. You, you traded for Harden, and you're getting a guy that's giving you 15 points in 34 minutes. Uh, that's, and plays no defense. And plays no defense. And uh, still plays hero ball. And, and it's, it was already precarious with George and Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook. And then you add Harden into the equation, and now nothing actually, fits. Actually, I thought nothing those three fits. were better Westbrook, than the foursome that exists now. Well, and, and part <laughs> of it is now, now Westbrook's minutes get cut. And he's coming in trying to rack up a bunch of stats yeah. and, and do what he does. Exactly. And uh, and then we haven't even gotten to the fact that one of their few actual young, intriguing players, former Denver Nugget Bones Highland, never played. Basically gets cut straight never out of the, the, the rotation. Nope. And what they've done is, is I get it. You just you got a bunch of big names and you threw it together, and you hoped it worked out. And I don't think it will. There's a lot of season left. Maybe it will. I don't know. Phoenix did the same thing. Phoenix at the moment is in the play-in tournament as well. You'd be looking at a play-in tournament with the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Clippers because you grabbed a bunch of guys that are older, that are injury-prone, and just kind of gone with the heavy stars and figured you'd fill in the rest. And that is, look at the teams right now. That You mentioned Orlando over in the East, sort of a, yeah. new, sort of a newcomer to the top. Sure, four spots. But right? they're good. They're, but, it, it, that, there's nothing flukish about what the they're West. Doing. The Denver Nuggets are the defending champs, but they've done it mainly through drafts and trades for at least players that are well, it, it called a Pope trade. And I, I know and it involved, trades, but complementary players. Morris, who, who we right? both like, not stars, complementary players. The KCP trade is kind of typical the it, way the Nuggets yeah. operate because you gave away not a. Not a stiff, not not a guy who had outlived his usefulness like Will Barton, just, just straight across. But Monte Morris was involved in that deal. We like Monte Morris, right? Every Caldwell team has ever played for likes Monte Caldwell. Morris, right? But Caldwell Pope for this team is a better fit, is a better more impactful player, and he's a better player. He, he's a better defensive player. The, uh, uh, Zach Lowe, I believe it is at mm-hmm. ESPN. Yep, does these wonderful video breakdowns. And I guess he's checked into this. Uh, there is uh, a sequence that the Nuggets run uh, around guess who, Jokic, where uh, KCP comes curling uh, off from left to right and takes a pull-up jump shot from the elbow. And Lowe says in, in the year plus 21 games, right, that Caldo Pope has been a Nugget. He's never missed that shot. Hmm. It's automatic. Automatic. Guys never have misses. spots on the court that ne- they love. He never misses. And he, he's a good defensive player. Good to great defensive Yeah, player. he's an outstanding good, defensive player. Great defensive player. Yes. And, you know, you, you're bringing Reggie Jackson off the bench or you're starting Reggie Jackson when Murray can't play. And he, <laughs> remarkably a player not a part of the rotation during the playoffs last year gives you also exactly what you need. He gives you a little more on offense than KCP does, not as much on defense as KCP gives you, but if you're looking for playmaking and scoring, actually the last game of the Clippers, he gave you both. Didn't he have 13 assists with the 35 points? Mm -hmm. And very few turnovers. 
very few turnovers. And the Nuggets recently had a game in which they had 37 assists and three turnovers. The Nuggets don't beat themselves. And there are certain patterns that the Nuggets have established where they're basically automatic. And there isn't a single Nugget who plays hero ball. Not one. No. Not one who's even tempted. And the Clippers are, are... I won't say loaded with guys who do that. Kawhi Leonard isn't necessarily. Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard do is that. also sort of. Paul George at times will do that. Uh, Westbrook does it, and Harden always does it. So, I mean, what kind of team can you have when you're riding? First of all, four older guys, right, all in their thirties, correct? Right. And Leonard's had so many injuries. So is George. I mean, Leonard paces himself. George paces himself. Uh, listen, when they've got it going. Uh, they're they're dangerous, but I the Nuggets match up so well against them. It's hard to remember the Nuggets uh, ever having trouble the Clippers since they beat them in the bubble after falling behind three games to one. Well, the Nuggets tonight, uh, as it stands with our friends over at Superbook, uh, plus odds ever so slightly to win, even though they haven't lost to the Clippers yet. So uh, that's interesting. And while you're there, I guess, if you're thinking about it, refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in sports wagering. And you don't want to miss the refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share the promo code with friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So, you know, you have a lot of friends, uh, you'll make more. Make make new friends and share that code. Win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, in just about a half hour, we'll get our checkup from the neck up with Dr. Rick Perea as well on a Wellness Wednesday. But we'll turn our attention to the Denver Broncos before that in what has become a must-win game if they want to keep playoff hopes alive. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Night divides a day. Try to run.